Well, good evening, everybody. It's just lovely to be back with you again here on Money More. I still haven't quite worked out what year it was I was here last, but it's a few years ago anyway. I'm not sure if I'm preaching any of the same sermons as I preached the last time. If you have any of the CDs, is that not on, John? Is that better? <laughs> a wink's as good as a nod to a blind horse. There we are. So I was saying I don't remember exactly how long ago it is since I was here, but if you have any of the CDs that, uh, of the last mission, don't be listening to them. Because you might hear a, a, one of the same sermons again. I don't honestly remember. It's great to be with you. I must say you've done a great job in setting out the hall and this platform. It's much, much better when you're closer to a congregation. Uh, you feel you don't have to shout at people away at the back and you can see everybody. That makes communication that much easier and it's that much better. It's lovely, it's comfortable, it's great. The songs tonight were great. Keep singing that Town End Yeti stuff. It's just lovely. And uh, there were a lot of songs around the Christian church 30 years ago, and they're gone. And it's no harm. But there's a lot of the Yeti stuff that's around these days, and it'll be around for a very long time because these songs are just beautiful. And they have so much lovely biblical truth and the pieces that the choir sang as well were just great now <clears throat> please pray you've been exhorted to do that for months haven't you please pray double up now that the mission has started don't sit back and say oh well we've done all we can now uh, you know let's just sit back this is the time to double up the efforts and really pray for god's blessing upon this whole effort it's interesting that every time i go to start a mission Usually the day before I get a sore throat. I could not believe it. Yesterday I was driving on the motorway and I swallowed a time or two and I thought, I don't believe it. I'm starting a mission tomorrow and here comes the sore throat again. I think you might know where the opposition comes from uh, when that sort of thing happens. So pray that my voice will just be all right and that this thing will pass in a day or two and will not give any trouble. Now... I want to read two portions of scripture to you tonight. I want to read some verses from Acts chapter 8, and I also want to read a psalm to you. Uh, we'll read Acts 8 first. Acts chapter 8, just a few verses. If you haven't a Bible and you can't follow it, that's perfectly all right. I'll, I'm reading uh, from uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse 14, just a few verses from this passage, and then Psalm 51. Acts 8 and 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter, and Peter was always blunt, Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be, per could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of your wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are 
poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And then we'll turn back to the Psalms and we'll take time to read uh, Psalm 51. I'm sure the majority of us will be aware that there are a number of penitential psalms. Psalms that are written with a very broken spirit, very much of a repentant attitude. And Psalm 51 is one of those psalms, psalm of penitence. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin. My mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the inward part you make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast or a willing spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous or willing spirit. Then. Listen to this. Then. I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion, build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. Amen. And God always blesses the public reading of uh, his own word. Now let's just have a brief prayer as we turn to the message. But God, our Father, we thank you for the lovely atmosphere in this hall tonight. We thank you for each person who has come. We thank you for those that are familiar with this building and who attend regularly. We thank you for those who have come to support this mission. And we pray that one and all, you will bless us. We ask our Heavenly Father that by your Holy Spirit now, we would have open ears and open minds and open hearts. Lord, cause us tonight to really listen to what you are saying to us. 
We thank you for this special effort being made here in Moneymore, and we pray that you will be pleased to greatly bless this little town, this community at this time. We pray that many will be converted unto you. We pray that many will be drawn closer to you. Lord, grant us your help, and we pray for your blessing. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll find the text tonight in Acts chapter 8 and verse 21. Pardon me taking the jacket off. You do believe in a warm welcome. Now, the text is Acts eight twenty-one. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Now, here's the text. Philip the Evangelist, speaking to this man who's just been converted... And Philip is saying to him, your heart is not right in the sight of God. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. Very powerful, very poignant words that were spoken to this man. I hope I can pronounce his name properly. Fabrice Muamba. How many of you have heard of him? The young people have anyway. Come on, where's the rest of you? You've never heard of Fabrice Muamba? Young refugee from Congo. Professional footballer, played for Arsenal, Birmingham City and Bolton Wanderers. Last year on the 17th of March, he was playing in front of a crowd of 35,000, millions more watching on TV, and suddenly Fabrice collapsed on the pitch. People looked on in horror, millions looked on in horror. (coughs) Doctors raced from the crowd, several uh, doctors, including one or two heart specialists, attended him as he lay there on the ground and uh, the defibrillator, the adrenaline injections were used, heart massage, pumping, everything else, CPR, everything was done to try to revive Fabrice's heart. Nothing worked. He was raced to the uh, heart hospital and after 76, 75 minutes, his heart had showed no signs of life whatever. He was in the operating theatre and uh, uh, under uh, some sort of electric stimulus, suddenly Fabrice's heart began to pump again. 76 minutes later. And it was quite incredible. All over the papers for the next number of days were pray for Muamba, pray for Muamba. And miraculously, Muamba uh, was made well. Very soon he was out of hospital again, no brain damage and no uh, serious ill effects, whatever. He said these words. He said, I thank God that I am still here and now there's more to life than football. Imagine that. There's more to life than football. I don't know if you saw the Nolan show last week. I'm not in the habit of watching it. But Fabrice was interviewed by Stephen Nolan. And this is what inspired me to preach in this text tonight. For Brice Muamba said to the audience in the studio and to the TV audience last week, whatever night it was, he said, whatever you do, get your heart checked. And he spoke with passion. Whatever you do, get your heart checked. If you think there's anything at all wrong, get your heart checked. And he emphasized it several times. I don't know if you were listening or not. Please get your heart checked. We want to have a wee heart checkup tonight. In fact, this is what this mission is about. It's about having our heart checked. 
Now, of course, we're not talking about the piece of muscle in here that pumps the blood around our body. I'm sure you've heard about the open-air preacher was talking about the heart being sinful and, uh, and all this sort of thing in the open air. And this skeptic came along and he said, Stop talking nonsense, man. Your heart's only a piece of muscle that pumps the blood around your body. And the quick-witted open-air preacher turned to the guy and he said, All right, why don't you go home and tell your wife, My dear, I love you with all my pump. Now we know what the heart is. It's the seat of the emotions. It's the very depth of our being. And what we're talking about tonight is a, not a physical heart checkup. We're talking about a spiritual heart checkup. Listen to the diagnosis of Philip the Evangelist as he speaks to this man, Simon. Simon was involved in witchcraft. He was a sorcerer. And uh, he had been wonderfully converted. He had come to a living faith in Christ. But uh, there were things going on in his life that were clearly not right. One of the things that uh, was wrong with Simon was this. He was possessed of a very high opinion of himself. He loved to boast about how great he was. And he was in the habit of deceiving many. And Philip the Evangelist pinned him down. I think that's the right word to use. Went straight for him and he said, look, your heart is not right in the sight of God. He's intrigued by all that is going on. He's power greedy. And he's so power greedy that he even offers the apostles money. Give me this power. He's, he's prepared to pay money to get the spiritual power so they could lay hands on people and they would receive the Holy Spirit. Such was the selfishness and greediness of this man. And Peter, in his characteristically blunt style, turns to this man and he says, Your money perish with you. A gift cannot be, uh, uh, a gift cannot be purchased. If money is involved, it is not a gift. And he identifies the source of his problem. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. Now what does Philip the evangelist call on Simon to do? He calls on him to repent. You see, wrongdoing, wrongdoing must never and can never be glossed over. Wrongdoing must never be swept under the carpet. What must happen to wrongdoing? Wrongdoing, sin must be repented of. And that's exactly what Philip calls upon Simon to do. He says, I see you are full of bitterness and you are captive to sin. Full of bitterness and captive to sin. Let me say this tonight, folks. The Christian faith, the Christian gospel is a religion of the heart. Isn't that right? The Christian gospel is a religion of the heart. And belief must affect behavior. And that's why we want to get to the heart of the matter. Because the heart of the matter is my heart being in a right relationship with God. The heart of this mission is when men and women come to a right relationship with God, we get to the very heart of the matter. So we want to get to the very heart of the matter in the opening night of our mission. What is then... What does it mean to have a heart that is right with God? What kind of a heart do you need, do I need tonight, to have a heart that is clearly right with God? Three things. 
Three simple points tonight. Number one, the Bible teaches us very clearly about a changed heart. The Bible teaches us about a clean heart. And the Bible teaches us about a consecrated heart. There are three simple points for us to hang our thoughts on as we go through this little message tonight. So the Bible exhorts us to have a changed heart. Why do we need a changed heart? Let's see what the Bible teaches us about our hearts. Solomon was a wise man, the wisest man who ever lived. He said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The big issues of life spring out of the very depths of our beings, out of our hearts. Now, the Bible doesn't paint a very rosy picture of these hearts of ours. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. God saw the wickedness of man, that every intention of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah the prophet comes along and he says, The heart of man is deceitful and above all things terribly wicked. Two major prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel. What does Ezekiel have to say about our hearts? Ezekiel tells us that our hearts are stony. We have stony, hard hearts. Solomon again in Ecclesiastes 8.11. The heart of the sons or the children of man is fully set to do evil. And then Jesus, Jesus, as he teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7 says this, Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, covetousness, coveting, deceit, envy, slander, sensuality, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. And then the Apostle Paul, when we move on over into Romans, what he says, he says, Our foolish hearts, foolish hearts, what have we got here? We have the wickedness of man, thoughts of his heart, deceitful, stony, fully set to do evil. Out of this heart proceed all of these wicked things. And Paul tells us that our foolish hearts are darkened. Why do we need a changed heart? We need a changed heart because of the condition that we have. This is not a coronary. This is not angina. This is not an aneurysm. This is something that is much more serious This is something that affects the very core of our beings. It's called sin. Now, what's the promise of God tonight? The promise of God is very clear. Listen to Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you... Are you listening? I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. Come over into the New Testament to the, listen to the Apostle Paul again. What does he say? If anyone be in Christ, what happens? He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The living Bible paraphrase of that goes like this. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person on the inside. The old is taken away and the new has come. What happens? What happens when we place our faith in Jesus Christ in his atoning work on the cross? What happens when we believe absolutely and totally in him for salvation? What happens? God changes us on the inside. He changes these hearts of ours that are filthy. These hearts of ours that are full of sin, set to do evil. 
God in his wonderful grace tonight. This is the message of the Christian gospel. Is that you and I can have hearts that have been absolutely and totally changed by his grace. This doesn't happen in any particular sacrament of the church. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not knocking any sacrament of any church. This happens when a man or a woman looks to Jesus Christ in saving faith, calls upon him, trusts only in Christ's finished work on the cross, depends upon him, repenting of their sin, turning to him. What happens? That man or woman is born again of God's Holy Spirit and there is a deep, thorough work of regeneration within. There is what we call conversion. It's what we call being born again. We are made brand new on the inside. There is new life within a changed heart. Has your heart been changed by the grace of God? There is the, the picture that the Bible paints of our heart condition. Not a pretty picture, but it's a beautiful, wonderful story to be able to proclaim that God in His grace wants to come to these lives of ours and totally transform and change them. And then not only does the Bible speak about a changed heart, but the Bible goes on to speak about a clean heart. A clean heart. Psalm 51. <clears throat> it's a great psalm. I, I, I love the psalms. And, and many of you love the psalms because there is so much in the psalms, you know, where you can identify with people's experience. They're written out of the experience, the depth of experience of, of, of these men. And David in particular, and the psalms that he wrote, are, are, are particularly uh, good because you, you, really, you, you really get to know where David is at and, and uh, you, you, you identify with his struggles and you feel that there's so much there that can help you. Now, this psalm, Psalm 51, was written, of course, after David had transgressed terribly. He had fallen into deep sin. He had committed adultery. He had arranged for the murder of Uriah, or Uriah's uh, his husband. He, uh, it, it was a terrible, terrible situation that David was in. God spoke to David very powerfully through uh, the, the prophet and said to him, you're the man. David came under tremendous conviction. David did what every man or woman must do when the Spirit of God reveals sin and need. David came to the Lord and look, what, uh, uh, look at his confession. He says, against you and you only have I sinned. You see, sin, he recognized that sin is always against God. Sin is not necessarily, it is against our fellow man, but sin is against God. And David comes and he prays, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. And he calls upon the Lord for pardon and forgiveness. And he comes to the Lord to ask him for real cleansing. Now listen to this. In verse 2 he prays, wash me. In verse 7 he prays, purge me. In verse 7 again he prays, wash me. And in verse 10 he prays, Lord, create in me a clean heart. You get the whole idea there, don't you, in Psalm 51. That here's a man who desperately longs, yeah, to have a changed heart, but to have a clean heart. And you and I are not right in the sight of God unless our hearts are clean. This was David's longing for a clean heart. Let me mention 
a number of things here. David talks about the defilement of sin. Now, there are three things that he prays here. He prays, number one, blot out. He prays, number two, wash me. And number three, uh, 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 cleanse me. Now, whenever he prays, blot out, what is he praying about? He's praying, blot out my transgressions. What are transgressions? Transgressions. Sin is the transgression of the law of God. Transgressions. It's a diary of foul deeds that he longs to have blotted out and taken away. He feels the guilt of a sin. Tell me, do you ever lie in bed at night thinking about things that have happened? Ever feel guilty about things that have taken place in the past? Guilt of sin weighing down upon you? David had no peace for at least a whole year. Sin, the guilt, was weighing down upon him. Since, that, since he had committed adultery, since he had arranged for that murder, David was in a terrible state. And he says, Lord, blot out my transgressions. His transgressions loomed large before him, and he felt it deeply. And when he prays, blot out my transgressions, what's he asking for? Lord, I want that diary destroyed. I want that record to be blotted out. Let me tell you folks tonight, God has a record of every single sin that you and I have ever committed. None of it is lost. And on the judgment day, if our sins have not been blotted out, if our transgressions have not been confessed and forgiven, then we will have to answer for them. What does David pray here? Lord, blot out my transgressions. Take that record and rip it up. Then he prays, wash me. Now, if in the first place the blotting out is the diary to be ripped up, in the second place, wash me from my transgressions. The idea here is not a diary, but a dress. I have four daughters, I told you that before. Three of them now married. One married just a few weeks ago and another one getting married on the 20th of June. I've had it up to there with dresses, eh? <laughs> I hear wedding dress talk and bridesmaids dress and mother of the bride talk. <laughs> Been heavy going. And I'm very aware of what happens if there's any spoiling of the dress. I've heard some horror stories of taxis putting black paint on their tires and the, the bride pushing uh, up against the tires of the taxi and the dress being spoiled. We've heard all these stories, haven't we? Sort of thing you don't want to hear when your daughters get married. But can you just imagine what it would be like for the bride to walk up the aisle and the guy has put black paint on the tires and there's this great big dirty mark right down the beautiful wedding dress, the bride on her wedding day. Now, you could take a tissue and you could give that dress a wee wipe. Wouldn't do much for it, would it? It would still have a deep stain on it. You might soak it a wee bit in water and try to get it out, but the stain will still be there. Now, whenever David is talking here about this washing, he is talking about a dress wedding dress or whatever kind of dress but can be any sort of garment that's been badly stained and badly soiled and in David's mind there is this this thing is so dirty that it needs to be put into a tub and you need to get into the tub with your feet and you need to trample it the old fashioned way of washing and you need to trample that dress in there and let the soap suds and the detergents get into it so that the deep stains are removed. 
And that's exactly what David has in mind here when he's asking and he's praying, Lord, wash me from my iniquity. You see, God is not interested in patch-up jobs. God wants to change our hearts. God wants to come to these hearts of ours and wash them thoroughly. So there's the diary of foul deeds to be destroyed. There is the dress that needs to be thoroughly, thoroughly washed. And then in the fourth, uh, sorry, in the third place, he prays, uh, cleanse me, cleanse me from my sin. Now, the word cleanse there, the idea in that is the leper, of course. You know what happened in the leper colony when somebody was uh, diagnosed with leprosy? They had to go outside the camp. They had to stay out there and they had to keep repeating on, clean on, clean on, clean if anybody came near them. They were ceremonially unclean. Then there can come a point whenever that leper was cured, if he was cured of leprosy, and he would be described as clean. He was now ceremonially clean. And you see, folks, this is what the Bible is talking about. God so coming to our lives that the diary is blotted, destroyed, the dress is thoroughly washed, and we're made clean. We're brought back into the camp again. Brought back into the family again. We're brought into the family of God. You see, David knew about the defilement of sin. He knew about the deafness of sin. Did you know that sin makes people deaf? Listen to this. Make me to hear joy and gladness. You see, there was a time when David would have taken his harp. And the halls of his palace would, have, would ring with joy and gladness. And the place was filled with music. But David had lost it. The joy was gone. The gladness was gone. There was nothing, only sadness and sorrow in his heart. He was deaf to the voice of God. He had heard nothing for 12 months. The, def- the, the, the defilement of sin. The deafness of sin. The disgrace. You've seen it, haven't you? Someone's convicted. This poor guy in South Africa. Uh, being charged with the murder of his girlfriend, wife, fiancé. And uh, of course, when he was, was, was t- taken to court, his head was completely covered. Anybody that's in that situation, they want their face to be covered. What does David say here? Hide your face from my sins. Mark this tonight. Be sure your sin will find you out. And David knows that God has seen his sin and there is this disgrace that overwhelms him. There's the damage of sin. Here we come to the text. Create in me a clean heart. Now the word create there, let me just teach you this quickly. The word create there is a word bara. And it's the word that's actually used in Genesis 1. It means to make totally, make something out of nothing. It's to make something brand new. This is the Christian gospel. This is what God wants to do for us. He wants to create something brand new. That's what Paul talks about in in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Someone becomes a Christian. He becomes, what? Brand new on the inside. This was David's experience. He prays, create in me a clean heart. I drove past Hill Hall Presbyterian Church, if any of you happen to know where that is, between Lisburn and Belfast yesterday, and I was interested with the wayside pulpit. I always note what wayside pulpits say. Some of them I don't like, but some of them are very striking and are pretty good. 
When I saw this one at first, I thought, I'm not sure whether I like that or not. But the more I thought about it, it's good. God accepts trade-ins. Where's the motorman here tonight? God accepts trade-ins. Our lives may be marred, scarred, bashed, spoiled, the shines off them. It's been tough. We've been without God, we've done our own thing. God accepts trade-ins. He wants to take that battered, scarred life tonight. And he wants you to come with it. Bring it to his feet. And he says, I'll take away the stony heart and I'll give you a heart of flesh. God accepts trade-ins. The damage of sin, the doom of sin, cast me not away from your presence. Ah, David knew what it was to be separated from God. And he didn't want to be eternally separated from God. Lord, don't cast me away from your presence. Then he prays that the Lord will restore to him the joy of his salvation. Much depression. Now, I'm careful what I say here. Don't assume that everybody that has depression, please, whatever you do, and don't go away saying that I said it tonight, that depression is always caused by sin. It isn't. But I'll tell you this. There are many people who suffer from mild or sometimes more serious depression. And 90% of it is down to guilt. It's down to sin in their lives. And it can be a terrible thing. Now, if you're a person tonight who happens to have a history of a little bit of depression, please don't go away home thinking tonight, oh, it's because there's sin in my life. I didn't say that. That's not true. But I'll tell you something. David knew what it was to be in the depths of despair. And he says, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. It was his sin, it was his guilt that brought him grief and sorrow and sadness. Look, I need to move on. I do need to move on. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. But God changes our hearts. God cleanses our hearts. If you get nothing else from the service tonight, get this. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. And God can cleanse these hearts of ours, if we bring our sin, if we confess our sin, God will cleanse that sin and he'll pardon it, forgive and he'll make us new. A changed heart, a clean heart, and let me finish. A consecrated heart. A consecrated heart. <clears throat> Listen to how David goes on in this psalm, in Psalm 51. He goes on to, to uh, after he goes through this confession... And he comes before the Lord. And uh, David has learned some wonderful lessons here. And he's now at the place where he says, Lord, if you restore uh, me, if you restore to me the joy of your salvation, he says something very significant. Then he says, Then will I teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted unto you. What was David implying here? What's David saying? He was saying that he had no witness. 
He was saying he had no ministry. He was saying he was a stumbling block to others. But when he got right with God, then he was confident that now sinners would be converted. Can I challenge you tonight, as I challenge my own heart, if you profess to be a Christian tonight, you profess to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, can I challenge you tonight, is your heart right with God? Is your heart clean tonight? Are you in a right relationship with God? Because David says here, as he comes before the Lord, he says, Then will I teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted unto you. There were two things David couldn't do. He couldn't preach and he couldn't pray. But now that he has met with God, now he can preach and now he can pray. Sinners shall be converted. He says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. You see, David's lips had been sealed for a year. Your lips sealed? Your lips sealed as a Christian? Sealed for the prayer meeting? Sealed for witnessing? Sealed because there's something wrong? David gets right with God. My mouth, he says, shall declare your praise. And David learned something here. As we come to the end of this, he learned, he learned something very, very wonderful. He says, Lord, you, you, you don't delight in sacrifice, or else I would give it. David was a thousand years before his time. David understood something. And understand this tonight. In a Presbyterian church, and I speak as a Presbyterian, understand this tonight. The hymn puts it so well. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away its stain. But Christ the heavenly lamb takes all our sins away. A sacrifice of nobler name and richer blood than they. What did David see? What did David see? David could see a way to Calvary. He could see Jesus dying on that cross. He could see that that blood was shed on the cross. And that that blood that would be shed, by faith in that, his sin could be pardoned and forgiven. Always get a hold of this. The cross is central in history. Where are you and I tonight? We're 2,000 plus years this side of the cross. Where was David? He was this side of the cross. How did David know pardon and forgiveness? How did David have a right relationship with God? By looking to Calvary. How do you have a right relationship with God? By looking to Calvary. Calvary central. And David saw it. He looked to the cross. He looked to Calvary. And he was in a right relationship with God. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. But the wonderful news is it can be right. And David knew that it was right. He says here, the sacrifices of God are a broken and a contrite spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. What are we saying tonight? We're saying a heart that's repentant and broken Coming before God in simple faith is a heart that is right with God.
Your heart right? On this opening night of the mission, let's every one of us, whoever we are, whatever our position is, whatever our background, let's go home tonight on the first night and say, Lord, is my heart right? Lord, is there anything amiss? Is there any bitterness? Are there any bad attitudes? Is there anything that would hinder people being converted? Because he says, Lord, then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto you. That's the secret. That's the secret of a blessed, glorious time of mission when our hearts are right with God. I trust tonight that we will go away on this opening night and say, Lord, make my heart right with you. Let's pray. O God, our Father, we pray 